Good afternoon. It's the 1st of May and um, I'm joined this afternoon by Sam McFadgen, who's a registrar in the Family Division in Jersey. So welcome, Sam. Thank you very much for your invitation, Suzanne. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you about a number of things at this time, Sam, and perhaps starting off uh, with a question. What is normality in Jersey? So what's it normally like to work in Jersey? Well, um, as far as working in the courts are concerned, uh, I doubt that a number of people in uh, England and Wales have much of an idea about what goes on here. We are uh, 1.6 registrars. So that's me and a colleague. Um, I'm the lead registrar um, and we determine all manner of private law applications. Um, now, we are the only specialist family judges in Jersey. And we do have, um, if you like, more senior judiciary here, with the equivalent of the High Court um, in England and Wales, and that's known as the Royal Court. Uh, but none of the judges who sit in the Royal Court, and that's the bailiff, the deputy bailiff and the commissioners are specialist family lawyers. In fact, none of them actually are family lawyers. So it's down to my colleague and myself to um, make the important decisions for the families um, who need our assistance. There are 107,000 people in Jersey, last count. Um, so it's not a big place. Um, I know, Suzanne, that you know Jersey pretty well, um, but it's nine miles by four. So makes for interesting times um, at the moment. From a, a judicial perspective, um, we have one courtroom available to us in the family division. That causes problems when there are two judges sitting. Um, we have to juggle our diaries so that we can accommodate each other or else borrow somebody else's court. Um, and I understand that in England and Wales at the moment, there are an awful, awful lot of empty courtrooms. Um, we should be so lucky here. Although I, I think there are because there aren't so many hearings. So that's quite interesting. And just taking one step back, um, can I just check? It is a different legal system and government, et cetera, in Jersey, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, again, that comes as a surprise because um, although perhaps for um, modern times, certainly for the millennials, Jersey is not a top spot destination for vacations. Um, Taking you back to the 1950s, 1960s, Jersey, Guernsey, the Channel Islands in general were enormously popular. And I think um, as a result of that, um, the generation older than us knew very well that Jersey was actually outside the United Kingdom. So we're, we're part of the British Isles. Um, the Queen is the head of um, states in theory, but we have a different government um, and we have different laws, I mean, completely different laws. So absolutely fascinating. And it's seen very much as an international finance centre as well, isn't it? We are really proud of the fact that we're on the whitelist here. Um, the major driver for the economy used to be tourism. It's still um, uh, a big driver for the economy, but actually it's now finance, the finance industry um, and the trust industry in particular, of course, um, with which any number of your listeners will be familiar because it's quite difficult to do family law these days um, without coming across trusts, um, particularly Jersey trusts. Yeah, so I think it's, it's interesting, as you say, how um, Jersey normally works. And then 
moving now to this time during COVID-19. What's the situation at the moment? Well, as at um, the latest uh, pronouncement at two o'clock today, um, for our population of 107,000, we've got what doesn't seem like a very large number of cases, 286 positive um, cases of COVID. But we've got 24 deaths. So if you look at the um, percentage of deaths versus cases, it's quite high. Um, and it, I think working in such a small island makes you really aware of just how damaging um, this uh, coronavirus is, this novel coronavirus. It, it's extraordinary. Um, so from the court's perspective, um, the minute we became aware of uh, this problem was coming out of China, we had to start thinking about how we were going to manage in the court. We don't have any slack here. Um, so it means, that, you know, if, should should one of us, do both of us, um, registrars fall ill, there's basically nobody to uh, deal with all the cases. And so uh, back at the beginning of March, when we really didn't know what shape um, this coronavirus was going to take or the effect it was going to have on us, I emailed um, the whole of the family bar in Jersey and asked for their personal mobile phone numbers um, and personal email addresses. My fear at that stage was that um, as a uh, lady who's the wrong side of 50, I'd be struck down by this coronavirus and a disaster would ensue if I came down with the temperature because I needed to get hold of people very, very quickly. Uh, fortunately, uh, the bar responded uh, very willingly and the initial plan was to be able to let all the advocates know at short notice that hearings would have to take place by phone. Um, we have a very full diary. I mean my 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 calendar is completely full at the moment until the end of October. So the thought of having to put hearings off was frankly quite terrifying uh, because we've always uh, prided ourselves on the fact that we have a pretty good turnaround time compared to England and Wales. But um, as it happens, as, as we all know, it's been an organic process. And um, when I attended the Women in Family Law launch in London on the 13th of March and came back to Jersey on the 16th of March, I had no idea that it would be effectively locked down from that day. Well, I'd be prevented from further travelling. Well, it was a so good I, um, cause to escape the island to come to the WIFL party. So a good reason to come to London. Exactly. Um, I, I remember that there was some um, concern expressed, certainly, um, amongst the Twitterati at that time about whether or not this launch would go ahead. And you'll recall, Suzanne, that we were all very careful and Baroness Hale was very keen that there should be namaste rather than um, hugs and the like. But it was a great event, a great occasion to attend. Um, I was proud to be there um, as part of the representation for Jersey. Though of course, you've got uh, one of um, my colleagues in, in Jersey, um, Barbara Corbett, on the committee. So, yes, I came back from London from the launch and found that I wasn't going to be able to leave the island again for the foreseeable future. So we really had to knuckle down to try and work out what on earth we were going to do about our very busy calendar and I started effectively triaging um, the court list um, on the 18th of March 
writing to the profession again, explaining that we expected to have counsellors' assistance in identifying cases which could settle, should settle, um, could be adjourned, um, and asked them to think very carefully about whether applications were really necessary. Because quite frankly, we had no idea how we were going to manage to uh, continue with court hearings. As I said, we've only got one courtroom available to us full time. There are, of course, other courtrooms um, in the Royal Court in Jersey, but it's a very small courtroom. So difficult to affect social distancing. Absolutely. Uh, there's no way we can hold hearings and effectively remain two metres apart. And uh, we, <laughs> in, in, we, we had to follow effectively the Royal Court. The bailiff, of course, is um, the head of our state, head of the um, the judiciary in Jersey, and he's also head, effectively normally head of the government in Jersey, uh, and is able to um, dictate how matters go. And the bailiff decided that um, we would introduce legislation to ensure that we had the right to adjourn cases, which we considered not to be necessary. And from the 16th of March, um, all hearings were held by phone initially. And when we started getting our heads around the IT, we started holding hearings by video link. And that's a whole thing in itself. Um, I know you, I, I've seen a lot on Twitter, Suzanne, uh, about England and Wales, the various chambers in particular, talking about uh, various video conferencing uh, uh, apps and which were good, which weren't so good. Yeah, and in fact, I'm, I'm working with seven chambers in London to produce a protocol of um, remote hearings for arbitration and private FDRs because we thought that there was likely to be a lot of um, cases going in that direction and it would be helpful if, if practitioners had a sort of a fairly sort of good document to reference how best to do these sorts of remote hearings. So I'm working on that at the moment. That sort of brings me to alternative dispute resolution and, and what the story is in Jersey there and whether or not there are many cases going to mediation or arbitration from the court. A mediation, I would say, not a, a large number. We do have um, the Jersey Family Mediation Service, which I think does a very good job, uh, but probably um, best for the um, more straightforward cases. Um, your listeners may not know that we still have legal aid in Jersey, as matters stand, which means that we do have an awful lot of represented litigants in um, disputes that are, you know, very low level money involved in fact sometimes no money involved and um, those sort of cases um, are mediated but on the other hand we've also got a, a significant number of high net worth and ultra high net worth uh, families and of course ADR is a much better option for a lot of them um, and so what we tend to have in Jersey is a number of uh, uh, private FDRs, because although we're introducing judicially led FDR in Jersey, we don't currently have legislation covering it. So I've introduced it since um, I've been in position. And as far as arbitration is concerned, we've got an arbitration law here. It doesn't specifically cover 
family work, but it doesn't preclude us either. And we do have um, at least one uh, qualified family arbitrator. She may be in training by you, Susanna. I think she probably was. I think arbitration is a is a really really interesting um, alternative. I think it I think it works enormously well in England and Wales. I imagine that the need for arbitration in Jersey is perhaps not as great because as a court, um, we've always been very responsive and very quick to deal with things. Now, I, I know that there are other reasons to engage in arbitration, not least of which is the publicity that can ensue as a result of, for example, a very interesting um, financial dispute. But we don't have publicity in uh, money matters it's all in private in Jersey so I suppose there's possibly a little less need for arbitration but there's a great need um, for private FDRs and we have a lot of um, English council um, silks coming over and um, conducting private FDRs in, in the bigger money. And so is that basically how you see the future going in relation to post lockdown I mean it sounds to me as though you're in pretty good shape and you're not going to have a massive backlog when um, the lockdown is eased but you're envisaging that people will settle cases that you'll carry on doing remote um, hearings for as long as possible and send out appropriately two alternative dispute resolution is that a fair summary? I think that's a very fair summary but it I've always been um, enormously keen on ADR. And I know that might seem curious for somebody who's become a judge and chosen to become a judge, but I I genuinely think that there's too much acrimony. um, And it's not just about the families, it's about the lawyers. Um, And I know, Suzanne, you and I have had this conversation previously about the uh, way in which you can be firm and fair and friendly as a family lawyer. Um, But I think that it's important that your judge should focus on alternatives to a judicial determination where possible. So yes, um, I continue to try to encourage people to be creative about the way things are resolved. And I have a straight jacket. Um, The law to a degree prevents me from doing anything very interesting. Having said that, I sent a message to a colleague, um, my other registrar this afternoon, asking if she'd be prepared to do a judicial early neutral evaluation on the children matter for me, because there are no other options available, really. You know, there's no money in it, um, but it needs to be dealt with outside the court. Right. And, And at the moment, are you having any sort of practical issues? Is your IT working well, for example? Oh, I wish. Um, I have to say that I think, like England and Wales, um, technology has proved unequal to the challenges that we're all facing. Uh, We have, as um, a court, started using a particular app for video conferencing. The app is working beautifully. Um, And we do, of course, already have all the video equipment um, set up in the courtroom. Uh, But, you know, almost every other day I have to find um, an IT person or engineer to come and tweak the microphones or tweak the cameras. And that um, is a great shame. And I don't think that's because 
uh, a lack of investment. I think it's just a lack of use. And what we're experiencing now, I think, can to a degree become the new norm. I agree. I'm sure that, yeah, we're going to be working like this, I think, for quite a long time. And we'll look back and wonder about um, why we had all those meetings and why did we fly around the world? Although I still would like to do that at some stage. Talking about flying around the world, I just wanted to ask you, because I think our listeners would be really interested to know how you got to be a registrar in Jersey. What's been your sort of process in your career? Well, I had um, a fairly modest start. Um, I I came to law uh, rather later than a number of your listeners did, no doubt, um, because I was a linguist first. And it was while I was working um, for an extraordinarily wealthy man in Paris that I decided to become a lawyer. And at the time, which was the um, early 1990s, there was something of a recession going on. And not a lot of uh, trainee solicitors were being taken on. And I found myself as a trainee solicitor in a high street firm in Swansea. Now, I had an enormously uh, interesting time as a trainee because unlike uh, friends from law school who ended up um, document managing all hours day and night, I was in court from basically week one of my training contract. So I was there for, um, I think, two, three years post-qualification um, and then moved to a small firm in the city where I worked, I would say it's a 75%, 25% split between family and um, civil litigation. Um, but I'd done a great deal of advocacy uh, when I was in Wales, travelling all around South Wales, you know, you didn't matter which court I do it. That I think has proved a bit uh, of an eye opener to uh, young people now who perhaps don't necessarily get the opportunity to do such a broad range of work. Um, and I was a partner for 10 years in the firm in the city. And then my husband um, suggested over um, a pint one lunchtime um, that we move to Jersey at the time the plan had been for uh, a brief move for a couple of years so um, I was an equity partner in London I agreed with my partners that I would fly in and out um, from Jersey to uh, London as I needed to but as time went on it became more and more difficult uh, because one of the issues although we're an international finance centre is we suffer from fog in Jersey and it is not unusual, particularly in the winter months, though not exclusively in the winter months, to find yourself uh, locked down for a day or two and unable to move because the planes can't land here. And it was as a result of a couple of fairly hairy misses of court hearings in London that I thought there must be a better way of doing this. Um, so I, you know, with some reluctance, gave up um, partnership and. Uh, started working for a large um, international law firm in Jersey I set up a family team for them and it was um, in fact wasn't it Suzanne that's when I met you absolutely I remember it well (laughs) so our uh, current deputy bailiff in Jersey used to work 
um, with me at Kerry Olsen and he introduced us and we've been firm friend, friends ever since, I think it's fair to say. But it's it's always been my intention um, to become a judge at some point. Um, it It is quite difficult, I think, particularly when you're an equity partner to give up what is um, an attractive uh, income to become a judge. I don't think many people choose the judicial life for um, the financial benefits of it, but I have always wanted to do it. I did some work experience of shadowing when I was just a training solicitor in Swansea, and I, I decided then that this is what I wanted to do at some point. And the thing is, in Jersey, it's not as though we have um, an awful lot of opportunities to become judges because, as I said, there's one one and a half of us. And when um, the previous incumbent, uh, the new registrar, uh, retired, I applied for the job and here I am. And so has being a judge met your expectations? I think it's exceeded my expectations. Uh, I'm really lucky because it's a... It's a relatively small family bar in Jersey. There are there are about 50 or 60 family lawyers working here. Um, not all of them are locally qualified. Um, doing the local exams in Jersey is quite something. Uh, but having so qualified enabled me to become um, the registrar here. I should say, though, that my, my, my colleague, um, who's the part-time registrar, isn't Jersey qualified. Um, she's from the north of England and she started last year with us. Um, I think she struggles a little bit at times with some very peculiar concepts of Jersey law and it's certainly been an enormous advantage to me having French as a language because a lot of our laws are still written in French and there are no official translations. But the judicial life is marvellous. One of the things I think we benefit from is the fact that we don't have the uh, restrictions that some of my fellow judges do in England and Wales, where they are effectively told from up above how they have to um, manage or should manage. Um, I can be rather more creative. Oh, sounds wonderful. Um, yeah, as you probably know, Women in Family Law has got um, a big sort of mentoring idea. They um, One of the reasons it was set up was to help and mentor uh, solicitors across England and Wales. I just wondered about your experience and whether you've had people who've helped you in your life, mentored you, and in turn, what your plans are to help anybody on the way up now, as it were, to to try and help them in their careers. Well, I have um, a number of people uh, to whom I'm very grateful for their assistance, not least which is you. When I first met you, Suzanne, I had, as you know, set up a family practice in this large law firm. And I struggled because for a corporate, effectively, it was a corporate-driven firm in Jersey based worldwide. Um, Family somehow seems to be an area of law which um, isn't very appealing to them. And I think I struggled at the outset to convince them that not only was it a lucrative area of law, but that it was a great area of law feeding in 
um, to other areas of law. And so there should be cross fertilization across the firm for the sort of clients we had. Now, you taught me a great deal about how to leverage family. Um, I'm, you know, enormously grateful. And, and what's more, you um, introduced me to the uh, IAFL as well. So, you know, I have um, a few to thank for. Well, thank you very much. But I'm sure there are others. But I've managed. There are others. But you are the start of that. There are other people as well um, who I'm enormously grateful because their patience and their cooperative collegiate approach really has reflected what I think family law should be. And because of that, I have been keen from the outset to try to give something back. I, I don't know um, if you're aware of this French concept of renvoyer l'ascenseur, and you get into a lift in France and there's a button which you are able to press, which means you send the lift back down yeah. who wants to get in it. And I, this is the way I like to think about it. You renvoyer l'ascenseur. You, you try to help people come up behind you. Um, and so as a result of that, um, I speak quite regularly at um, the girls' college in Jersey. Um, I've done this annually for I think the last four or five years talking about law talking about languages um I've got a number of young people uh, between the ages of sort of 15 and 20 who come in and do well, certainly when I was a lawyer they came in and did um, a lot of work experience where we had bursary schemes and the like but as a judge um, I'm a little more limited as to what I can do for them at that age, because, of course, everything that happening in court is private. So it's more about mentoring as such. Um, States of Jersey has a um, recently instituted mentoring scheme, which um, I signed up for. I've got a couple of mentees, um, and I do think that it is up to all of us to try to assist and and it's not actually as I say to my mentees all about a one-way street I think as somebody who's trying to assist we learn a lot from them as well I totally agree and I think what's really fascinating is one of the things the pandemic has shown is how helping other people actually gives you quite a buzz and I think people are learning that more and more so yeah really I totally agree is there anything else that you would like to share with us today? This is your chance. Well, the one thing I would like to say is this. Uh, lockdown life on a small island um, has its challenges. But I'm really impressed by the way in which the family bar here in Jersey, at the very least, has responded uh, positively. And I hope that the need to be more proactive in settling cases um, spreads further because I think sometimes it's very easy, particularly when you're a pretty small family bar, to, to focus on um, personalities and issues you may have with other personalities. But, you know, the, the need to try to avoid court now really should feed into practice of everybody. Um, and I hope um, that, that that message is heard in Jersey. Um, I think it's probably already heard in even worse. I did have one other question, actually, Sam. I'd yeah. like to know what you've learned in lockdown, either about yourself or a new skill. Uh, fortunately, um, 
technology-wise, um, I'm probably better than your average person working for States of Jersey, which has come as a bit of a surprise to me. Um, where I think I've really learned a lot is about the positivity of people. It's refreshing to see how people are, when under pressure, able to go that extra step to achieve something for their clients. And in my case, not having clients to achieve something for the parties, because at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a public employee. You know, I'm here to serve. Um, but I think it's very humbling. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've learned. Well, thank you very, very much. It's been fascinating talking to you. And I'm so pleased that you're joining us in Women in Family Law, a great um, addition to our team and it's going to be great to work with you going forward so thanks very much Thank from very over much in jersey me. if any of your listeners are interested in life um, on the other side at a modest level do ask them to get in contact with me thanks so much sam thank, thank you, you and and so that's uh, our podcast for today the first of may thanks very much stay safe all bye bye